Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jak Gnosianen, Head of Arts and Culture at the Finnish Institute in London. The Finnish artist Jonna Kina is the recipient of the first ever Below Zero Art Prize launched by the Finnish Institute and Beaconsfield Gallery Vauxhall and made possible by an anonymous benefactor. Jonna Kina's exhibition Somnium is the result of her prize residency at the Beaconsfield. The exhibition is inspired by the marble quarries of Carrara, Italy, where she filmed material for her work last winter. Yonakina reflects the conflicting relationship of nature and culture in the artwork, combining sculpture and cinematic elements. You're about to hear Yonakina in conversation with the curator Ryan Blakely at Beaconsfield Gallery Vauxhall on Saturday, 10th of March. Carrara is like one of the famous, like it has been so many, in so many articles, it it has been so many hundred years, thousand years used. Um, you can make a tourist trip to this quarry. Um, it's one of the, where they, the city and the people get um, like income. So I think what I was interested to create also another kind of image, like uh, images, um, not only a tell a story like where the marble travels or where does it ends, but to hopefully transform it something that I'm not thinking about anymore, the quarry in that sense, more um, the landscape through the different images. And also I hope that we are lost in the scale that because like some of the scenes you can think that it's a detail of a rock, even the white can be like one kilometer. So it's very, kind of looking like it could be a surface of another pla- planet and what is human made and what is not. What I was interested in is also of the landscape that it's very hard to sometimes see that they are taking like mount, like the piece of the mountain away. For me it rather looks that they might be building something, whoever is building something, or is it like ancient um, city or civilization who has been building caves and and the kind of layers of uh, history and and work that has been done by hand and with machines and and also my one of inspiration why I started to shoot like this is the old story that I heard I remembered um, during the working process of this a Buddhist story of a blind man when they meet elephant and I think that's kind of the, I felt like I cannot shoot and make one uh, statement I think I have to be very open and and uh, to hopefully offering like many many viewpoints and Im- images to the side, and some of them are natural, some of them are not, and yeah. It feels like a, this work is a, a scale bigger than the other works, both in kind of content and the actual work that you, the physical work that you had to put into it. Um, was this a feeling going in? Did you feel that you were that this was a bigger work than, say, interviewing the yeah. children for the secret passwords? Or I th- um, and the password was like three-year project, by the way. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, yes, um, I think yes, it was in a way. It, it became um, um, somehow. I think yeah. I it somehow I felt like it's. In some in some level, I thought that this is very different, and I'm like more freeing. But also, it had 
the like technical things it required more time and they were something that I, I haven't done before like in the work in the post-production that I did by myself like the erasing process and and I also I, I went to shoot like two times I needed to reshoot something and that's also I think often you end up like doing reshooting so you have to go back and that's yeah and um, I it's mean, when you're doing this, do you find that kind of your image of the work changes? I mean, is does the process affect your? Yes, definitely. And I think it also piece. gives you more opportunity. And when you have a mistakes, I think they are also like um, they can affect in a very positive way to the process that you actually learn. You don't take them as a just like oh, why this happened. Like why do we have to watch the film fifth time? But actually, during that time, you have more more time to you know you start to do something else and like I found that all the difficulties with the laboratory we had like um, like a, some like um, I don't know why but yeah like if we were watching the film and we need to rescan the film and but that I did already in Paris with the arrangement for a scene we uh, scanned and export the film five times and I was like oh, I cannot do this anymore <laughs> and but then in the end the I think Maybe that's the like for me like time out. Now you have to think about and do something else. Maybe work with the other roles of the film and 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 so on. So I think those can be used and must be used as an opportunity. Or you have to kind of yeah. take them as an and see like okay, could there be something that I'm missing and I could add it to my work and let it affect to my work. That's really interesting. So how do you go about um, developing your visual language? <laughs> I is think it, I don't. I, I don't question. think I don't have a visual language, uh, but um, or maybe, um, or maybe a, another kind of language. I don't know. Is it uh, visual or is it more mm. like when all these uh, elements are put together? So then, hap then you have like uh, your own cocktail, <laughs> you, your own artwork. Um, yeah, like with this one, I think like how I then when I decided that I want to work in the marble quarry and I want to do do a sculpture and I think after that I just start to be with the um, idea and when I was on the site actually it's very noisy place it's they have only like one day and a half when they are not working the quarryman in the quarry and you can hear all the time like beep 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 and like a lot of trucks and it's very dangerous to walk there without not having a helmet or with not having a car actually it's not allowed and there is a lot of trucks going and they have like hundreds of thousands of like marble that they are carrying and and roading like uh, driving with them um so i think i wanted to create a silent <laughs> like silent i wanted to have a silence in the work and i i wanted to get rid of the tools <laughs> and actually then I I made it like a replicant of the one of the tools so in a way I wanted to take it back and uh, yeah. so maybe it somehow affect my decision to but of course I was interested to see the landscape without any to that you don't if you don't have the knowledge or you don't know where the images are from so maybe you can see it in like we were talking about this alien perspective yeah, or it certainly feels like a very yeah, like alien perspective, and um, yeah, that was the interest in the title for me came from the Johannes Kepler novel of this um, child who gets sent to the moon. It was written in the 17th century, um, and it describes Earth from the moon, and uh, people like 
Carl Sagan have kind of quoted this as being kind of the first sci-fi uh, novel. Um, and I thought it was very interesting, your, your work being titled this and giving us such a kind of um, alien perspective. You were saying that you've had people asking you kind of where you stood on... Yeah, I saw like things. after the opening day, there was some tweet or something. I'm very bad at using Instagram. I'm starting it right now. <laughs> like, and then I saw, t- uh, I noticed that there was something about the, yeah, and also uh, about the film. Somebody, um, or maybe it was a tweet or something. And s- and also I remember, I think it was the same person who was in the opening who came to ask me like, where do you stand? That it feels that this is a God, God's view. Like, uh, where were you standing? Did you use uh, some kind of, uh, is it like drone, drone to how you shoot it? And I was like, no, we were standing on the ground. Yes, mm-hmm. and and we had a very heavy uh, equipment. Like, the tripod was like at least 30 kilos and plus the camera. And most of the time we were walking and hiking and carrying everything. And, and I think that process felt, felt so heavy each time when we put the camera and check the balance and if I think it's great um, politeness if the feeling of the film is like oh it's like you're flying in the <laughs> air or something maybe that was the reason why I um, wanted to use film like 35 millimeter because it really slowed down the process and I, it didn't feel like a god watching the landscape <laughs> it was like a sweating and, and holding the equipments and cursing like why I'm doing this um, so I think the process of like using film, it's like how it, um, film records the light to the light sensitive emulsion. It's very different when you cannot, you have to send the film to different country to be developed. It's kind of very material and it gets uh, developed and it gets scanned. And, and, and somehow I feel that it's very mat- material. Uh. Is the type of camera you use important to your practice as well? And the type of film, I mean, are you, would you want to use digital or...? Well, this was like fil- film camera, film camera. So I had, I u- we used the same cameras I, I was working before. So, but yeah, we had a different lenses and my background is um, in photography. So I'm very familiar with the tools and, and with this, it was important to be able to change how close or how far we want to be and what kind of images we want to create. So, very technical. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to hear um, and to hear you talk about uh, the editing, the images. Um, and I've, in quite a lot of your work, there seems to be this kind of uh, line between uh, fiction and non-fiction, where yeah. the, the, vis- the viewer enters and then this kind of juxtaposition of um, fiction, non-fiction, and then of each... Um, idea within the work, juxtaposition seems to be a, a tool that you seem to work really well with to engage the audience in a dialogue and make them kind of creative participants rather than uh, passive viewers. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how important it was for you to remain um, ambiguous as to your own position through your work and to kind of set up these ideas and these images and uh, the different things that you use in your work. Um, so that you can allow the visitors to enter into a dialogue without being too forceive. I know this is something that I've discussed a lot um, in cur- on curatorial projects. It's how far do you want to guide the viewer and how far do you want 
to let them guide themselves? How do you set up the space um, so that it enables them to do this with ease or challenge them enough to have a really kind of worthwhile, engaging experience? So I was wondering where you kind of sat with that and how you tried to balance it in your work. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I like the idea that you can make specta spectator um, active or it, it can participate to the process of discovering, but I think it doesn't have to be like a game or like, haha, look what I have. Can <laughs> you can you find the trick what I have been doing? Or that you have to read the text. I think I wish that it's something things come through the work, but um, of course I like the idea that person who sees first time the piece does it doesn't require to know the background of the work. It can be seen like very um, innocent or fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, some, somehow um, maybe it's important to me to uh, create some kind of uh, twist or use the um, unusual logic as a method or um, logic of poetry in one way. Yeah. Are you considerate of viewers as you create your works? This is something as a curator, mm. I'm always yeah. asking artists and thinking about kind of um, how how far they have the the viewers or the the people who can see the works in mind. This is very good question. Actually, yeah. I like I said, I like the idea to make a spectator active and yeah. participate to the process of discovering. But actually, I don't think about that at all when I um, or I don't. I think I kind of want to be lost in the process, so I don't have this. Um, I should have think like, oh, what do I do with this work? I have to get, you know, it's, but I don't, I don't think about that. Yeah. We've been talking in my discussions with Yona about how kind of focused she's been with finishing this work um, and how kind of, uh, how only just now are you really starting to really see what you've done and opening up about it. And all the mistakes, to, like here I can. <laughs> <laughs> What's the film? Um, oh no. <laughs> how important is it for you to have this kind of period after finishing a work to kind of re-engage with it? And do you ever come back to it after you've done this and make any kind of changes? No, now I have to go back to it. I want to fine-tune a few things. I have to make a last editing for the before doing like DCP copy for the film festivals and so on and the 5.1 mixing of sounds. But then it's over. Mm. I, I think then when I finish a work, there is a... I rather not anymore edit it um, because it's like a never-ending process. It's like you always say like, ah, oh, why did I? When I'm looking at my old works, I'm like, ah, oh, why did I do this? But it's you just you have to put everything when you are working, and then I think you kind of feel it in your bones and in your muscles that we're gonna break up soon, <laughs> like with the work. Like it's a you you have to leave the work, and then it starts to live its own life. Um, but yeah, the, actually the finalization of a piece, always like the last steps, the tiny things that you have to do and to really finalize, I think that takes more energy. And also actually when you start a project, that's yeah. also the first steps is always the biggest steps in the project. We, I've, I've always, you always discuss the kind of the editing effects of the surroundings of a work when you're curating a show or an exhibition. Um, and I think it's a really kind of nice kind of touch of fate 
with your piece downstairs that it um, had to stay on the wooden, um, what they say, wooden plinth, um, but couldn't be moved because of its weight. And the result of this is actually really kind of wonderful, actually, because you have this the contrast of the pedestal that it's on. It's it's very industrial, um, with the kind of finesse of the marble work that sits on top of it, and it's kind of another kind of juxtaposition within this work that's kind of added to it. Mm. Um, how, I mean, is, how do you, when you're creating your, your pieces, is this something that you consider how you're going to um, display them? And when, you, when you're looking for somewhere to display them, is kind of the architecture of the, the space something that really affects your decision making then? Especially when it's um, work like this that is spread out and on. I think, think definitely each space kind of guides you like how to install it and this was a fantastic space and I think the opportunity first I wanted to show the sculpture with the film in the same um, exhibition room but I think now there is very interesting dialogue um, with the art space and uh, yeah and I also think that when taking the industrial things away from the film and then showing them in the, <laughs> like showing the piece of, um, the sculpture piece in this industrial pa palette. Yeah, and it, palette, that's the word. Um, oh, I knew it. I'm from <laughs> this part of Finland. <laughs> yeah, to kind of get, get you, a, like, and also it's a tool to show it in a kind of environment where it perhaps, perhaps could be seen in this kind of palettes. Yeah, and that that's also waste material. The retractor who dropped bags—it's the waste of the in industry. Interesting. Okay, I think it's about time to open up to questions. If anybody has any that they'd like to ask, Fiona or myself, <laughs> if I can, if I can start, I'm I'm quite interested in in the way you use sound, and for you coming from a visual arts background, but kind of photography. It seems to me that sound and sound design of, of this work and obviously the uh, uh, previous short film that you've done, arrangement for a scene where we see Foley artists in work, um, it's really interesting. Um, what, how important is sound to you and how do you approach um, sound design in your work? Yes, sound is very important. I. Um even some of my works, like Foley objects, the photography series, it's about sound and sound effects. Even it's a mute work, you cannot hear anything, but it's more... Yeah, I think sound is definitely... Um, I don't know how I end up to being visual artist, but I, I think sound and music has been a lot of like guiding me, and it's still um, very important. Like, per, like personally, I, I... Yeah. And with every piece, it's... Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's super important. But I don't know, can I... And I think maybe I always wanted to do like ra like sound rather than visual art. Like, when? Would you be moving towards that kind of work in the future or...? Uh? I, I could imagine um, like, a sound, like only sound piece and I think that could be very kind of natural to do perhaps in, in some think about like if, if some piece really needs to be in the form of sound I think I would accept it it's like my working and my tools are very open I I start from the idea and then I pick up a new medium if needed 
I think this is we're saying this is the first kind of sculptural work you've done as well as is that difficult to kind of move into this kind of working working with a medium like marble I mean it has such kind of gravitas to it did you feel the kind of was there any extra pressure of working with Carrera marble no, I think I was just a scientist in the laboratory like <laughs> like very uh, yeah, kind of that it was a learning process to me to rather than a yeah, taking risk. I didn't. I think I didn't think that. More like just like fa fascinated about the uh, the new material. Yes. Sir. Yeah. This. Uh, this. I think I will. Like I said, to work with the surround. So it's going to be different. I. I remember saying that when I was shooting and and the soundscape is a fantastic. There. It, it's a. It's kind of like three-dimensional, almost when you feel uh, hear the rocks falling, and it echoes from the different uh, mountain walls, and suddenly you're surrounded by the by the sound. So I all the sounds that are now in the film are from the field recordings. There is nothing added to, but it's um, the idea was kind of that the reality produced fiction. So in the end, it's getting towards more to not a music, but more to constructed sounds. Um, but I definitely, when I fine-tune the sound, I think this is something I really want to add, and I hopefully it will be in the like a, more like a, when when I have the opportunities to use the 5.11 surround sound, so then I can play more like where the sound are coming or how they are moving, like one sound element, like the falling rocks that there is now. To and the other question, I didn't kind of was it like how did I like a Marble, or the hydro bag. The hydro bag. Oh, yeah. The um, that was kind of true coincidence. I was a lot of tra uh, visiting many, many times in the in the quarries in different like in underside up, and I decided that I want to work like outside definitely, and then but I saw these uh, hydro bags and I was like, what are these? And I think just that how they looked for me like an iron pillows, but actually they are quarry. Uh, tools that they push uh, they are first like just totally flat and you like put water like very slowly and with this very high pressure and slowly when it's a put in the cut when they're cutting the marble blocks it's put in the 10 millimeter cut they put the hydro back and then it can push like 200 tons of marble I felt that there is um, as a ready-made object it it was very interesting also, like I said, it's a waste of the industry, but it's a, it's a tool that they're using very actively. And I think that's kind of to bring the, the, the hard work somehow part of, the, part of my work and kind of respect what they're doing. It's a, um, like respect the quarry work and it's very hard and it can be very dangerous work and I don't know how well it's paid or you know, things like that, but I, I found it it's interesting and and the connection to the film that I have erased the tools, but then one tool is born again in, in marble. <laughs> Any other questions? Let me ask something. Um, um, you work in short form. Your your most of your filmic work is, is around what, 10 minutes or something like that? Would that be correct to say? Um, Secret Wars was 20. Was 20, yeah. 
would you see yourself working in longer form like moving features. yeah like features and or do you have any desire to explore that temporality like I said, I'm very. I, everything starts from the idea. So yes, definitely, I would be already jumping and shooting my feature film if I if my idea requires that. So I don't have any. It, yes, I'm very open. But I think doing a feature film just that I know that there's a lot of artist pressure. Like ah, when you are doing a lot of films, especially like shooting films, and you have to in some point like it's very cool to make a feature film i have noticed this trend lately and i think i'm not i don't want to be part of that it's a, it's a lot of it's a big commitment that you do and i think uh, yes definitely if some idea and work requires to spend more time and and shoot a long film i, I i'm ready to step in but now i think maybe my ideas are just short <laughs> I like yeah I like to work with very intimate like um the working group I have actually amazing working group behind this film I had three of them four of them three of them are based now in Paris I don't know how I end up to <laughs> work with people who are in Paris the moment living um maybe actually it could change because it becomes like a more like a factory working and you have to give orders and 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 so on so it will change and me as an artist there is actually nice, maybe we end this with this uh, story. Like Michelangelo, when he was doing a Pieta, he went to Carrara to, and he wanted to select the marble block by himself. And he went there and he spent like a lot of time to finding the, of course, right quarry man, right quarry where to take the piece of marble. Um, and also what is the uh, right block that he wants to use for the masterpiece. And I think this kind of attitude, I think it's just, um, as an artist, uh, you have to start from the very beginning and you have to guide the process through. And and what you really want to say with the work, it comes from there. But if you have to, if you have many people, and I think somehow it gets more filters and maybe more compromises, uh, budget-wise, producer, producer can have a lot of effect if I would be doing a long film unless I have like a like a budget without limitation <laughs> but then maybe there's some other limitation or like um, so in that sense I think I really enjoy working with the small group even we were now like almost like five people so it's not anymore so small like when you're traveling and accommodation and it um, but still, it's different than working with 30 people. Um, and to kind of that you, you are creating and the feeling that you are creating it together. It's a collaboration. It's a, and everybody has to enjoy the process to, to create the great work. Well, maybe it's, it's time to bring this to a close. Thank you so much for coming here. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you so much, Jonna. Thank you. The conversation you just heard with Jonna Kina and Ryan Blakely was organised by us, the Finnish Institute in London, in collaboration with the Beaconsfield Gallery Vauxhall. Find out what else we're up to on finnst.uk and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at 
Finn Inst London. Stay tuned for more great stuff to come soon your way.